Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to AP Oddcast. I'm your host, Adam Johnson. Unfortunately, today, none of the other hosts were available to record with me, so it'll be just me. But today, we'll be talking with Austin, our old master. So it should be a pretty fun episode anyway. Let's go ahead and welcome him and hear what he has to say. Hey, Austin, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Adam. How are you doing? I am doing fantabulous. Thank you for asking. Well, let's go ahead and get started. First off, introduce yourself. Tell all of APO about yourself. Answer that however you like. Oh, man. Man, what, what should I tell about myself? Well, I guess I'm Austin. I'm a fall 2017 pledge, penny class represent. I'm also a Pierce. I'm the old master this semester. I've been around for a while. I graduated, came back. You know, you can't keep rid of me. <laughs> I've been a lot of positions over my time in APO. I've been VP service, sergeant at arms, others. This semester, I had the joy of being old master as well as being the overnighter co-chair. So I'm happy to, to be here and talk to you, Adam. Sounds like you've been pretty involved. Yeah, I, I've only gone one semester without holding a position. I always try to do something in APO and give back because I just love APO, you know? How did you discover APO? When did you decide to join? So I heard about APO through my friend from high school, Lillian Pressler, who was a member. And I spent a semester just sitting in the office doing all of my homework in there without actually pledging during the love semester. And then right at the end of the semester, like, Austin, you got to pledge, dude. You got to. You can't can't keep sitting in here. You got to pay the money. So I pledged fall 2017. Never look back, you know? You basically lived in APO rent-free for a semester before you got into anything real. Well, I kept living. I just had to pay rent at that point. I I Ah. slept in the office, stayed in the office, never left. Sounds like a good time. Are you surprised by where you are in APO right now? Are you shocked at how you made it so far, or is it about what you expected? I didn't know what to expect from APO going into it. I, I like service. I've always enjoyed service. And so I spent most of my time in APO going down the service track. I served as a community co-chair, campus co-chair, and then VP service. And, you know, I'm number two all time for our chapter for how much service I've done, just behind Jake Ender, my PT. And so it was always natural to be that part of service. I never thought that I'd be growing as a leader through APO. That is like the point of APO is to grow as a leader. But I never thought I'd come so far. I mean, even as a pledge, I was a very quiet, shy boy. And during pledge elections, I ran for every single position and got denied for every single one. And for a guy with like crippling, like I'm horrible at public speaking, having people boost my confidence in person and just be like, hey, you can do it. Like, keep going was just a huge boost to my confidence. And, you know, that's continued to this day. I just like, you have to try and then you'll get there in the end. Do you remember everyone from your pledge class, just out of curiosity? I'm awful with names, Adam. That's a tough question. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show some disrespect to them by not remembering all of their names. If you mentioned one of them to me, I'd be like, oh, that's a penny. Got you, right? <laughs> if you asked me to name all of their names, I'd probably forget like half of them. And one of the people I would forget would probably be like John. I would just forget he exists for five seconds. <laughs> well, I remember at PRS was brought up your uncanny ability to remember remember some names so thought i'd bring that up yeah you asked me like a quick fact you could ask me for any fact off the top of my head and my brain would just be like i like dogs that's about all i got like i would forget (laughs) the knowledge i have 
Fair enough. What what were some of your favorite service events in your early semesters? Oh, there's so many. That's a tough question. Because my favorite service event always evolves. I think my favorite, for the most part, has always been Rip Squad. And that's kind of a cop-out answer. A lot of people say that. But Rip Squad, we haven't had in a couple semesters. You go out, you rip invasive species. And honestly, I love nature. So that's like a first, like a big positive for me. And then secondly, like it's really cathartic, just ripping things out of the ground. You know, if you have any stress about the semester, you go and rip plants for three hours. You're like, man, I'm a peaceful, fun-loving guy. And you're surrounded <laughs> by all your APO friends. Like it's never a bad time, you know? Do you think some event like that is going to come back pretty soon? I hope so. I know Lexi, since she just got reelected for the fall semester, is really excited to hopefully get things going off of campus. We have to wait for Purdue's green light. But once we get that, she's ready to kick it off. We also have this fall, the service week that Nationals puts on. And that's based around the environment this fall. It's all about environment and climate change and stuff. So I'm super pumped for whatever we get going for that. I know Lexi's got a lot of plans. All right. I, I'm just going to deviate a little bit from the script here. What the heck? That sounds so cool. <laughs> it is. They put it on every, every fall. We have a different a week dedicated to something new. And mm -hmm. so this semester being climate and environment, I'm super pumped for it. I know Lexi's super pumped for it. She's planning on creating a co-chair just based around that week. So we have a whole bunch of events planned. So I'm super pumped. Just it's going to be so fun. Wow. When, when is that going to be? Oh, I don't remember the week. I, it's on put on by National, so it's available online. I just I, I have no idea what the week is off the top of my head. No, that's okay. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really exciting. I'm, I'm an environmental science major myself, so that sounds super, super cool. Yeah, it, it, it'll be awesome. I'm super pumped for everything our chapter does to put that together. It'll be really great. Awesome. Well, and take a bit of a 90 degree turn here. <laughs> Go back to your experience in APO. You mentioned how you were surprised how leadership became such an important element of Alpha Phi Omega. How, how have you developed in your time here in the fraternity? I think my biggest thing is that I went from a very quiet person to very loudmouthed in general. I have become a person that if I have an opinion about something, I will state my opinion and say, this is what it is. And I do my best to get other people's opinions and try to generate them and get people to give feedback so that the chapter can move forward. I never thought I would be the person to try to do that. I'd always be like, well, yeah, I'll express my opinion if I'm asked, but like, that's about where I'll go. And it's just become a whole thing. You know, running extravaganza even was a huge test of like my leadership ability because I had to coordinate between dozens of like people, different events, things were going on all over the place. And that was just being able to get that to go off as well as it did, I think, was a huge test and something I could not have pulled off before joining APO at all. Absolutely. Do you think APO brings out that vocalness in its members? I think APO gives back as much as you give to APO. If you're dedicated to APO and you try and you say, here's my opinion, APO will be like, we respect that opinion. We want you to give more of it. And APO will give back to that. I know a lot of people who haven't had as big of an experience as I have in APO. Some, you know, they're like, it's not for me. And that's, it's not for everyone. Some people you get a lot out of it. Some people get not a lot. And it depends on how much time you put into it. Have you had any particularly defining moments in your experience? Like an APO spark, if you will. <laughs> I've had APO sparks. I've had APO unsparks. 
the chapter and I have a love-hate relationship going back for a while. I loved being elected as VP service. I think that was a huge confidence boost for me to start with that the chapter thought I could lead in our service department since we're a service-based organization. And, you know, the same when I got elected as Sergeant at Arms. I loved being trusted. But you don't get all those wins without having, you know, drawbacks as well, you know. When I was elected VP service, it was actually the second time I ran for it. The first time I ran, I didn't get elected. In spring of 2020, for my last semester, I ran for president and didn't get president. And then last night at elections, I ran for sergeant at arms and didn't get that. And so, you know, if you're an APO and you're looking like, man, I want to be a leader and I want to like have those positions, you don't get all of the ones you run for and you don't let that hold you back. You get the positions you can and it matters more what you do with your position rather than what position you have. You know, even for you, Adam, I'm pretty sure you don't hold a single position this semester, but you've done more than most of our actives have, right? It's what you want to do finds your leadership at APO. Well, thank you. And that's that's some really great advice. It's not always the positions or goals you strive for. It's more, more showing that you're dedicated that matters. Yeah. Just because you have, you know, just a single co-chair position, every co-chair is super important and you can run with it as far as you want. You're only limited by your creativity. So don't let you know, I'm only a co-chair holds you back. You go for gold and like keep running. That's that's what I got. That's a really great point there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to take a another 90 degree turn. And <laughs> I'm just going to ask you straight up. Back in March of last year, just a little bit over a year ago, where were you when Purdue announced we had to leave? What were your initial thoughts? I think everyone has their own exact story. I, I remember exactly where I was. Well, this is going to tie back into me just forgetting every fact. So you've asked me a specific <laughs> question, my mind's blank. I don't remember exactly where I was. I know that I had to talk a lot with like my friends and family and see what the plans were and what we were going to do. And it was a very tough time for me, especially as a senior, because I had to know, are my friends leaving immediately? Are they not coming back? And I probably won't see them for years. Like this will be our senior send off is just we leave and we disappear after spring break with no warning. I was thankful a lot of my friends lived off campus. So they were able to stay through the end of the semester. But it was a very just kind of like chaotic fever dream of a time for me. It was I don't know where I'm going after this. I was denied for graduate school at that point. So I didn't even know what I was doing after I graduated. And it was it was really tough. But you know, I'm happy to see how the chapters progress and i'm happy to be back in it you know absolutely well that just ties perfectly to my next question how how do you remember apo changed back at that time back at the time it was very tough it was i wasn't a part of eboard i didn't have a position that semester that was the one semester i haven't had a position in apo right and so i felt very disconnected from the chapter as a whole and i was i don't know um it was very tough seeing the chapter change that semester because this chapter that I knew and loved that was full of all these off-campus things, all these bright things, most of those things were just not allowed anymore. We couldn't do them. And that was a struggle for, I know, the chapter as a whole. And it was a personal struggle for me to be like, well, I want to help. That's all I want to do. But I'm not a part of the chapter. What can I do? And the answer was nothing, which is very tough for someone like me. And I'm happy to see the chapter through the fall and this semester has grown and been able to do more of those things and branch out. And we're not letting the it's a COVID semester hold us back. We're more like it's a COVID semester. What can we do? And we're 
taking those steps and doing what we can, which is what the chapter's here for. You know, we adapt and we overcome the difficulties thrown at us. Absolutely. And then it seems to pretty much everyone, we've, bou- we've we really bounced back. I think, that, I think that's a great thing. It's been really great. Even with like service hours this semester, last semester, we had a really tough time. We did like 600 total. And this semester, we've already passed 1500, right? We are doing phenomenal this semester. And that's, that's due to the chapter getting back out there and doing more service. It's due to our leadership being there and being present and saying, hey, what can we do? And it's due to all the co-chairs who were like, hey, I'm a co-chair. I know we had a rough semester. Let's let's kick it back into high gear. So it's on everyone for succeeding this semester. Do you think back when we initially switched to virtual that we ran everything well if we did the best we could? Or do you think we maybe could have done some things better? I think hindsight's always twenty twenty. There's always better things you think of after the fact. Because of how disconnected I was from leadership the chapter, I don't know those conversations that went on. But, you know, there's always things we could have done better. There's always more communication to be had, more feedback to be had. I think with the information we had at the time, we did the best we could, you know, and that's all we can really ask for is I think everyone tried, everyone did their best to adapt. Some did better than others. Some adapt to change better than others. That's just how people work. And I think we did the best we could. So it was really good to see. Yeah, that's really good. Well, you mentioned your experience extravaganza and i think i can speak on behalf of the entire fraternity saying that it was a major success and we loved it very much i am curious though what what was the planning process for that like i remember (laughs) you touching on some x number of sao approval forms but what was that like this being probably the biggest event we've had in like almost a year at this point yeah extravaganza it was a whole process To start with, I want to say that I consider extravaganza partially a failure on my end. I hold myself to very high standards. And the original reason I chose the Overnighter co-chair and was asked to do it by eBoard at co-chair readings was that our VP mem, Peyton, had never seen an Overnighter. And so they wanted someone who had run an Overnighter before to kind of give everyone an experience. And I did my best to incorporate a lot of the traditions we have at Overnighter into Extravaganza, such as with PRS and with our skits. But a lot of things I had to write fresh because we couldn't go off campus. We couldn't go to a scouting camp. We couldn't do a lot of things. And I didn't want those to hold us back. So for the bare minimum, I was supposed to, you know, show the trends and the stewards what Overnighter was like. And I didn't do that. I showed them something entirely different. And I'm not upset about that. But for that end goal, I would consider it a failure. I extravaganza planning it. It was all based off of a single sentence that Dan Huff said at a senior board. Senior boards are such great places to get ideas and get like excited about things. And I think a lot of people underutilize them. But Dan Huff said that our chapter had been acting, had been reacting instead of acting to COVID. We had been reacting to the changes and we hadn't been planning ahead. We hadn't been acting and taking steps forward and taking charge. And a lot of people had been making excuses saying, well, we can't do this because of COVID. So we're just not going to do anything. And for Overnighter in the fall, it kind of fell through because we're like, well, we don't have, we can't use the old script. So we don't have a script. And so I said, well, we don't need the old script. I'll write a new one for us. And so I have to thank Dan Huff for just saying that sentence because it was a great sentence. It really told me what I needed to hear. Extravaganza was supposed to be a single day of one event. And then I branched out because I said, this chapter is full of wonderful, amazing people who all want different things from Overnighter. And I don't want to force someone to have a less than perfect time. 
So I decided to go with a conference format where everyone could choose the events they wanted to go to and they could do what sounded fun. You know, after that, and I had all these events planned, I said, well, what if we have a single hour where we invite like Region H members to attend? And Lexi and Alex of VPCom worked together and they created a comm service, like two hour special. And it was, it was a super fun time. It was super great. And I wanted to get region members involved in that. And I was like, well, what if we didn't limit region members? What if we invited them to the whole thing? So my brain went off of that and continued inviting region members to the entire first half of the event. And it kind of just spiraled. I had to submit APFs for every single event. I had to transition halfway through submitting those APFs to submitting them to be in person as well, which required more time. Each APF required me to answer probably like eight to 10 emails from SAO, which is just uh, such a pain. You wake up in the morning and you have like a hundred fresh emails from SAO and you're like, oh, got to respond to all these comments. And there's just a lot of T's to cross, I's to dot, and you had to get to the end. I, I don't know. There, there was a lot that went into it. I had an Excel sheet with, I think, 40 different sheets on it each with different codings to say who was going to what hour, if they were going to be in-person or online, everyone's details. I had to make personalized itineraries for everyone and send those out. So it was a lot of behind the scenes work to get things going. But I'm super, I was super excited and happy because I wanted to get co-chairs and people who didn't normally run events to run events. I didn't want us to have you know, four VPs stressing out because they were running every event. I wanted to have everyone involved from the ground up. And I think that was a huge success. I think we had a lot of people who normally wouldn't run events and they said, I'll do it. I'll run an event. And they did amazing. I didn't hear of a single event that had a problem with people running events. Everyone had such a great time. I had feedback forms going throughout the day and not a single event ranked below seven for any of the scores across the entire day. It was amazing. Everyone did such a great job. And that's not on me doing the behind the scenes work that that's on the people actually running the events like i could keep gushing adam i don't know what else you want to hear from me i could talk for hours about all everything that went into it awesome that's what we're here for the only thing limiting, limiting us is the 30 minute limit on, on anchor <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it this idea you had inspired by dan sort of just became this growing and molding thing that evolved into an amazing spectacular event what are some takeaways from extravaganza that you think could be implemented to future events? I think a lot of things that could be implemented is we got really used to certain formats for things. And it's like, this is tradition. This is what we normally do. And I would love to see more co-chairs follow through and try to break out of the mold and be like, well, this is what we've done in the past. And that's cool. But I also want to make it new and exciting and fun. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. So I want to see a lot of people try to follow through on that. I think extravaganza was a big stressor on me. There wasn't a lot of like, there weren't a lot of background people helping me with it. It was mostly just me and then Lexi helping with some of the things. And so it's very important if you try to do something like this, that you get a team behind you, and you get <laughs> a good team to help you. Because I spent a lot of time working on this that I probably shouldn't have, but I did anyways. Well, it certainly turned out into something amazing. So your work did not go unnoticed. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's a really good point, though, about implementing new ways into doing traditional things. I think that's a great, a great direction our, our fraternity can definitely take. 
for sure. You mentioned at the beginning, you considered a lot of extravaganza to be a failure, just kind of due to its nature and somehow. If you had to go back in time, though, to a month and a half ago or so, or whenever this whole process started, what, what would you change? Would you even change anything? I, I don't know. I, I would definitely, I think, make a bigger effort to get Region H people involved. We got some of them to show up to events, but less than I was hoping for, less than Tommy Brennan was hoping for. And we're happy that every single person who came did come. We did the, give them the best time we could. But I wish we could have gotten more people and gotten them more involved. I think I also kind of got overwhelmed. And so I didn't focus on individual events as much as I should have and maybe prioritized making sure that the events worked well in person and online. I think once we were able to transition to in-person, there was just, we kind of disregarded online in a lot of ways. And I think we, I should have spent more time focusing and saying, hey, each of the events has to work in both ways and made sure we did that. Uh, some events did super well with incorporating online people. Some just online wasn't a super great experience for people. And that that's okay. That happens. But I think the people who did go enjoyed it. I just wish we could have gotten more people involved from the region as well. Absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm, I'll just wrap up that thought and say I loved extravaganza and I'm incredibly grateful that I was able to have my first overnighter experience being, being a Trent myself and along with Peyton. I've never had one before. And so even though it might not be exactly what Overnighter is, I'm incredibly grateful. So thank you. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate your kind words. I, I think everyone who went really enjoyed it. And I'm really happy for that because that's one of our, our goals. And I know a lot of people took away from it a lot happier than they went into it. A lot of people weren't super happy with the chapter at that point. We had gone through a year of not seeing each other. And I don't know if it was extravaganza and just being around everyone all day or just, you know, being around everyone all day was the whole thing. But I think a lot of people came out of that way more excited for APO, for the future of APO. And that's that's the biggest thing I think that I'm happy about, because that's all I want people to do is be happy with APO, you know? Well, that was a very, very sweet remark to make at the end there. <laughs> Overall, do you feel that Alpha Gamma, as you mentioned, has obviously been affected by not seeing each other but overall have you do you think alpha gamma as a fraternity has changed since going virtual and hybrid i i have a lot of thoughts on how alpha gamma has changed it's and that my thoughts have changed over time i was separated from the chapter for the first semester of covid so a lot of things i heard were like third party and then being more involved this semester you can definitely see that a lot of people were i think missing out on that brotherhood and I think that's partially due to not seeing each other, but also just due to like the nature of the times we live in. I'm hoping once we get more in-person things that people come back and can come back from that. Um, I want to be as involved as possible I can to help that, you know, help us get that fosterhood, foster that brotherhood a little bit more. But I, I think the chapter has changed. I don't know if all of the changes right now are for the best. I think a lot of people are just not happy. But I'm really excited to see how, you know, our newly elected e-board handles transitioning back in person, fostering that brotherhood, fostering that service and leadership. And, you know, even though we won't go back to what I would consider as like normal before COVID, I think they can instead prioritize getting to a new normal and focus on moving forward instead of just kind of like this middle ground we've been stuck in for a little bit. 
Absolutely. I'm, I am obviously very, very excited to, to move back into the new normal, as you mentioned. Looking back even further for, for the last time, this is the last retrospective <laughs> thing, I promise. In your time here at APO, since, since you were a freshman, a little, a little pledge, all the way to being old master, would there be anything that you wish you would have done differently? You've been in many positions, you've held many leadership roles, you've ran for even more positions. What would you do different, if anything? That's tough. I am one that normally lives his life and I try to forget the word regret exists because like I said, there's always hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, you can always see those things and say, well, knowing how that turned out, I wish I could have changed it. I think I, there's not a ton I would change about my past, about my time in APO. I think I probably would have prioritized a little bit more in school, some semesters, maybe not slept in the office as much. But the only thing maybe is just like, Focusing on the people around you and saying, hey, what do you need? What do you want from APO? And working more on that. I'm always big, a big, big proponent on feedback. When I was sergeant at arms, I basically made all my senior boards focused on getting feedback from the chapter. And it was a fun, exciting time. But it, was, it wasn't until I was sergeant at arms that I started really focusing on that and saying, what did the chapter actually want? I lost my train of thought entirely. Uh, <laughs> But I don't think there's a ton I would super change. I think maybe just get to know people a little bit more, maybe spend a little more time on class, a little more time focusing on service, and a little bit more time not stressing about the present. Um, I think we spend a lot of time focusing on now, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen the next day, and not a lot of time focusing on the big goal. You know, How are we fostering members into being leaders? What are we doing to foster that? How are we doing that? And I think once you get a little bit more extrospective, you see, is it introspective? One of those two words. Once you get, once you start thinking about the bigger picture, you can see, okay, this is where we were. This is where we are. We're making really good progress and just taking a second to appreciate that. Wonderful. That was a great closing (laughs) thought there. Thank you. Well, we are drawing close to the end of our episode here. And if any of our listeners out there have been avid in following all the episodes you know what's coming next austin yes i'm gonna do a 180 turn this time. okay 180 or 360 no idea if you were stuck on a deserted island but you're in real life minecraft survival world what would be the first thing you do and why so i have played a lot of minecraft i'm not ashamed to admit over my time the first thing i would do on a survival island in minecraft is, you know, realistically, probably spend the next six hours of my life in Minecraft hitting the W key and swimming to actual land. Probably <laughs> it. I always hated doing survival island surviving things. It was always like too rough on me. I always was like, I'm going to build a big base. And I was like, I got like five pieces of land. I can't do this. <laughs> so yeah, I'd probably just Fair swim. That's that. And I can't swim in real life. So that's it's good you chose Minecraft because I would be screwed in real life (laughs) all right well that is going to be all the time we have for today austin thank you so very much for talking with us thank you adam i love talking to you you have such a fun time and i'm excited to see where you go in apo i wanted to get that out there first oh thank you very much (laughs) all right well thank you everyone for listening today be sure to stay tuned to hear about upcoming episodes and this has been ap oddcast bye bye Bye. Bye.